Hello and welcome to Community Quest episode 158. I'm your host, Mike Epps, aka Wheels, and with me as always. Uh, Midgar citizen reformer, David McBurney, Fanboy Master. And just back from quarantine, oh, uh, Michael Baker, Gaiji Minogatari. Yay! Yay. Alive, well, presumably. <laughs> oh, yeah, n never a problem, just. Yeah, quarantined no, with two small children is fun. Mm. Oh boy, so, very nice, but still fun. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Final Fantasy. Final yeah, Fantasy, Final, Fantasy Final Fantasy Seven Fantasy. remake is out. Yeah, I've been seeing screenshots all over Twitter, and I'm kind of laughing my way through it. Um, I am very amused at the fact that they actually kept the honeybee in. <laughs> honeybee in is in there. It and is... apparently has dance numbers now. Yeah, no, there's a dancing minigame. You get uh, rewards based on how well you do in it. <laughs> and and Cloud looks surprisingly good in drag. Yeah, no, I think it depends. So when I, when I finished that section, I got a trophy that said mm -hmm. that I had gotten three out of nine dresses. Uh, which Three leads me to believe what? that each girl in that, like, each character in that section has three different dresses they can possibly be wearing. Oh. Also, Tifa seems to be determined, like, seven chapters beforehand in the game. <laughs> There's just, like, a section early on if you, where you will be, she will take you aside and ask you what she should wear on more formal occasions and your options are something mature something sporty and something exotic I'm just going to assume that those determine what her dress is nice I don't know what determines Aerith's I think I recall reading that it might actually be how many side quests you do the first time that you meet her the more that you do the nicer hers is and I think Clouds is determined entirely by how well you do at dancing <laughs> Which is also fun because how well you do at dancing is gauged for you by how much Aerith is hooting and hollering while watching it. So, it's a good game is what I'm saying. It's very good. Exceptionally good. Every character in the game has a different model for when they have the frog status cast upon them. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, that's a nice bit of whatever um, detail. Yeah, it's, it's full of a lot of detail. I'm very close to endgame at this point. Like, the game popped up a message that was basically like, uh, you should definitely do everything you want to do now because you won't be able to do it later if you keep going. <laughs> so It's always nice when they give you a warning ahead of the path and no return. Yeah, I think the, one of the tooltips in the loading screen also says that if you finish the game, you're allowed to jump to any chapter in case you missed anything, so... It's also very nice. Yeah, it's it's very accommodating. The game is very clear to call out how many side quests are actually available at any given time. Mm -hmm. Even if you haven't found all of them. It's a very friendly game in terms of finding everything in it, in it if you're willing to just keep looking. Well, that's a bit of a change from the PS1 era. Oh, there's oh, a definitely. lot of change. It is self-consciously changed, which is interesting. I don't know how it ends yet, but a lot 
I have my theories about what's going on as of chapter 14. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be that there are plot elements added to this game that are commentary about the idea of changing plot elements. <laughs> okay. It's interesting. So, yeah. Hmm. Which I am interested to see where they go with this. Yes. Uh, I was going to say, uh, if you remember the original Final Fantasy VII, where Jesse, Biggs, and Wedge were mostly unimportant characters. You have three lines of dialogue each. Yes. Uh, Prepare to fall in love. I was going to say, I also heard that they had taken the side characters and had a lot more fun with them. Uh, it's way more than that. Like, I absolutely love these characters. <laughs> They're great. Also, the game adds the incredible deep lore that uh, that Jesse's last name is apparently Radbury. <laughs> I don't know how that ended up being the case, but there's just a lot of there's a lot of additional texture to the game. I guess how I would put it. Like, there's a lot of stuff in the original that. Like, Midgar is not a huge section of the original. It's it's big, but it's not huge. And so a lot of plot points that happen there just sort of have to slide past. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm getting to the end game, which is lining up somewhat with the original, uh, original end game for Midgar, there's a lot more time taken of like, oh, this is devastating. This is horrible what's happening here. <laughs> so... <clears throat> I mean... The- um, one of the first so things d- I noticed early on was you you get to down to the slums and it's like oh this is like a whole living breathing community instead there's, of like there's a, a few empty screens here. yeah people live here and um, they do drop the plate on the sector right uh, I won't speak of it <laughs> I mean it's it's kind of hard to have spoilers for a 23 year old game even if well, it's a remake the reason a lot the reason different. I bring it up. Yeah, like, the reason I bring it up is that the game is constantly sort of teetering on the point of deciding to make a different choice, and I don't want to say when and where it does. Oh, okay. But, yeah, like, it's interesting when you start to, like, actually watch it play out, and it's also just, like, I remember before this version, when this version was announced, there was a lot of concern that the people making it didn't actually remember what the original game was like, and I feel like anyone who plays this can put that notion to bed, because it's very... Even when it's making changes, it's making changes in ways that are very true to the spirit of the original game. So... I think they're kind of assuming that it would be like a lot of adaptations in the West where they just give it to somebody and that person does not really care. Yeah, it's obvious... I've I've read some interesting... um, criticisms of the current season of the Castlevania show on Netflix. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, has this per- has the writer actually played one of the games and then interviews like, no, he hasn't actually played the games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's been known it for shows. a while that Warren Ellis not only di- hasn't played Castlevania, but honestly does not care about the property that much other than that it has a bunch of monsters in it. <laughs> but, yeah. And so, I mean, if, if we were talking about an American company doing a remake like this, I think that would be a valid concern. Mm-hmm. But this is Square we're talking about, and yeah. a lot of the people on the cre- on the development team probably may have worked on the original. Almost, 
all of the people in major roles, you can find places where they were attached to the original game. This producer is actually the same. It's Kitase. Yep. Uh, so, um, yeah, th- this is going to be a crew that really care a lot about yeah. how it's done. I, think I mean, the reason for a lot of remakes in Japan. I mean, yeah, I think the reason that got people scared off was that like Advent Children is very different, and the reasoning behind that becomes more clear when you actually look up interviews from the time, where everyone involved with that is saying, "Yeah, this isn't much like how the original game portrayed things, but this is also this is a movie made for fans, and this seemed to be what they wanted." <laughs> True, Which, but uh, in the case of Final Fantasy VII, what they wanted was. Final Fantasy VII with really pretty graphics. Yeah. And yeah, remake is incredible. Uh, it also doesn't overstay its welcome. I'm nearing the end of 100% completion, like, major, major completion. Like, there's probably some things that I'm missing, but the vast majority of stuff done. And it's probably going to clock in at a little over 30 hours. It's fine mm-hmm. by me. Yeah, like, they... They knew how much they could reasonably expand this section of the game without it just growing long in the tooth. So, I mean, considering how much the that section of the game was expanded to begin with. Yeah, it was a it was a big important part. It's a good four or five hours of a probably 25, 30 hour game. Well, I mean, I I still remember. Um, I mean, it was the game's closer to fifty hours. So, um, but no, I Depends. still remember um, some interviews talking about how Toriyama. When he joined up, he actually expanded sections of the Midgar um, part of the story and made it a much bigger thing to begin mm. with. Yeah, like I, I'm just saying, like the last few times I've played it, like I understand that the second or third time you go through, it's going to be shorter, but it is not. I think people remember a lot of PS1 RPGs as being longer than they were, but like you can breeze through FF7 if you're not doing everything. It's like a 30-hour game. Uh, let's see. But yeah, it's... It's, uh... <laughs> I'm just really, 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 really impressed with it. Uh, it's really good. Really, really good. Uh, I've been a... It, it's just been fun every time Like I find something that, like, oh, you took this and you sort of moved it around, or you, like, changed it a little bit, or, like, one of the things that was interesting to me was like going almost all of Cloud's Limit Breaks are in this game, but a lot of them have been repurposed in some fashion or another. So like the the obvious one is that Braver, his first limit break, has just become one of his uh, special command attacks that every character gets a new one that they can learn off of each of their weapons. Uh, it's almost like but, Final Fantasy Nine. A mm-hmm. little bit, a little bit. Uh, it's a lot faster, though, because it's determined by how often you use the special command, and if you use it more than, like, five times, it's basically guaranteed to be learned. Let's see. Uh, Actually, sounds a bit like sparking. Uh, a little bit, but it, you actually see how long it's going to take you. It does build up over time. Uh, yeah. Okay, so more like Final Fantasy X-10, too. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. Um, let's see. Uh... Cross Slash is his first actual limit break. Uh, I just realized one of his later weapons gets a skill that's been translated as Blade Burst, but it's very clearly him taking the stance that he does for Blade Beam uh, and has a lot of... as as close to the same properties as it could have given that uh, the battle system doesn't work anything like the old one. 
it sounds like they just took the same name and went with a different translation. Yeah, it's pro I was assuming it's probably a different translation, but I didn't have time to actually look up what uh, Blade Beam is in Japanese. But, okay, uh, you know what? Okay, let's see here. Google. Okay, I'm just going to be seeing how much I can trans do this in Japanese. Okay. Okay, uh, well, continue on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, those are, the, those are the ones that immediately stick out to mind. He's got a new one that Oh yeah, for for anyone who uh, is curious, if you find any sort of arena type battles, those are where those are. Mm. Uh, so if you have each character do uh, a fairly easy arena battle, you'll be able to get their uh, their second level limit breaks. Uh, see, oh yeah, uh, that reminds me, I found one. Uh, I found one that it took me like lay. I had to dig through layers of mistranslation to realize that this was supposed to be uh, one of Barrett's old limit breaks, mm -hmm. because in English this limit break was translated as Ungarmax in the original. Okay. And then, like years later, I realized, oh, that's supposed to be Angermax. And mm -hmm. then in. Uh, the remake, he has an ability called Maximum Fury, and I was, oh, oh. That's it. <laughs> it yep. does the same thing. It technically has the same name. But, yeah. Okay. Let's see. We have, let's see. Where, uh, which number down do you think it is for the limit breaks on Cloud? Uh, on Cloud, Blade Beam is his third limit break. First of his second uh, level. It says here, Hakogeki. Which is like break, um, breaking light attack. Mm. Uh, let's see, Kankarakiyoha. Um, let's see, fire off a, fire off at the enemy from your sword. Um, any enemies in the same path may be damaged. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that does that does basically the same thing in, like w what it does in. Uh, in the remake, is it's a, uh, it's a, it fires off a set of three beams out of your sword in a like slightly mm -hmm. offset direction from uh, from where it strikes down. So, okay. It says here if you use that one eight times, you get crime ha um, crime hazard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm guessing in the original. I mean, I can't really remember very well, but I think in the original game you could actually learn stuff by doing it a number of times anyway. Uh, the way that the limit breaks worked in original is a little, like, opaque, but the way that it works is that you unlock the next level of limit break by killing enough enemies, and you unlock mm -hmm. the next, the second limit break in each level by using the first one enough. No, that's the same thing listed here. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, in, it's like, in, uh, you, you learn... Um, you learn when we were talking about by killing 150 enemies, yeah, and then use learn the next one by using the first one eight times. Yeah, that's how it works in the original. In the remake, you don't get new limit breaks like things that are labeled limit breaks very often. There's only I think each character only has two things that are considered limit breaks, but you learn to save new... stuff for later. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. Although amusingly, uh, Barrett's second level limit break. Uh, is named Catastrophe, which I believe is his last limit break in the original. <laughs> mm. but, yeah. Uh, anyway, to, to answer the actual question here, um, 
whatever it was, um, Blade Burst. Yeah. Is um, w- either translation was going to be made up to try and find something that reasonably fit the kanji here. Yeah. But it does not actually translate into the kanji at all. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So that, it was interesting to just like notice that a lot of stuff is even stuff that isn't where you think it is is probably still in there somewhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, big fan. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything for Wheels, who I believe is still in Chapter 3. Uh, maybe. But, but hey, I don't care. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I just fought a horde of Dementors. Oh, those boys. Uh, then you are just about to, like, Chapter 4 or 5, I think. Nice. Uh, my... You're running. You're about to run into one of my favorite things that they did, which is uh, Shinra now has a corporate mascot. <laughs> uh, he is a dog named Stamp, mm-hmm. and he has a like corporate theme that you can find <laughs> just sold out of a vending machine that has lyrics. It's very powerful. Uh, Does Kate She show up in, in this any? Uh, yes. Uh, both Kate Shi and the operator of Kate Shi are both in the game, although not long, for obvious reasons. It, yeah. It's just a tease to get everybody excited. Yeah. Because I'm, like, I'm, I'm betting we don't even get to Golden Saucer into part three. How yeah, like part one is... Is there's a lot of references to things that are going to show up in later ga- games, as well as like just expansions that like I assume will be touched on in later games. One of the things I really like is that uh, in original FF7, at least in the English translation, it's not clear how large of an organization Avalanche actually is. It may very well just be the people in Seventh Heaven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in remake, it's made very explicit that no. Avalanche is a much larger organization that you're actually kind of dealing with a ver- an offshoot cell of that's more extreme than the rest of Avalanche. Okay. Oh, that's going to make the... Uh, I'm, I'm assuming the second game is going to be everything from Midgar down to the port city or around the other end of the continent, because that makes more sense. Yeah, Junon would make sense as like an endpoint for a second game. Yeah. But yeah, like, my... There's not a lot of these other... You see some of the other branches of Avalanche, but not a lot. And my assumption is that we're going to see them in other cities. My assumption is that some of them are going to be coming after us after the disaster that gets blamed on us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's, that's a much larger part of the remake. Is sort of like the repercussions of what Avalanche is actually doing in Midgar are a much bigger thing. The concept that Shinra is using it as propaganda to stir up another war with Wutai is also a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Like, the the way that the, final, the world of Final Fantasy VII fits together is much more examined in the remake. Sweet. So, yeah. Huge, huge fan. Uh, one other thing that I will bring up uh, that I haven't gotten closure on yet, but the game's moving towards it, and I'm interested. In original FF7, Don Corneo just kind of goes away. Because, Ooh. despite the fact that he's, like, one of the most heinous people in the game. <laughs> Ooh, he sticks in, remake, 
In Remake, they seem to be coming to the conclusion that you're going to have another confrontation with him where you might take your pound of flesh, so... Now that's uh, actually... I'm never going to have a PlayStation 4, but you're actually making me tempted. Yeah, I figure it'll eventually get ported to everything under the sun, so maybe when it gets ported to Switch 2, you can pick up that version. Is there anything under the sun that could possibly handle it, which... Yeah, is... it's... It'll get ported to PS5, it'll get ported to PC, it'll get ported to Xbox Series X, it'll get ported probably to Xbox One once the exclusivity is over. And once the Switch 2 comes out, that'll probably be a prime target for it. And, oh man. Uh, yeah, just just a huge fan of all of the choices that they've made. It's, it's an incredible game. Yeah. You will like... All the characters, even if you didn't like them in the original game, like everyone. Yeah, that's one of the. Everyone down to Cloud have like great characterization. Yeah, that's one of the things that I think really sticks out about this game is that like the writing is really sharp. So there's a bit that everyone who played the original will remember, where Barrett is concerned that Marlene has died. And, like, that's kind of, like, a just a thing that happens over the course of, like, two text boxes in the original. But it has my new favorite line in this entire game in it, in the remake. Where, like, Cloud brings up, okay, like, you know, it, she's probably fine because, you know, we sent Aerith off to do a thing. Here's the thing. The thing. Barrett responds, tell me she's alive. Come on. It, even if it's a lie, don't worry, I won't get mad. Then, like a beat for about five seconds and then he says no that's absolutely a lie I'd probably tear your head off (laughs) and the delivery is so perfect and the animation is so good oh man oh my god yeah they oh another detail that I really like is that the game repeatedly sort of implies that the Final Fantasy 7 battle victory music that is something that Barrett just hums to himself when he wins something. It's <laughs> <laughs> like there's a side quest late in the game where it wants you to like find musical tracks because the game is full has at like every jukebox in the game there's like an, a wild reinterpretation of a classic FF7 track. So it'll just be like here's this sort of like entirely like guitar cover of the Cosmo Canyon theme or something like that and late in the game uh, like when you finish that side quest Barrett will talk about how like music is good for people you know like the the party started discussing like music's good for people it's keeping their spirits up Uh, and Barrett sort of mentioned like he hums that theme again but then he says uh, but when (laughs) Uh, after he finishes humming that theme, he says that that's going to their that their victory theme will be blaring throughout Midgard eventually. <laughs> oh yeah, Eric wants to join. If that's okay, sure. Okay, but but yeah, nothing nothing but good things to say about that remake. I am loving it. Okay. Anyway, my daughter would like to say hello to you guys. Hello. Hello. How are you? Hey. <laughs> okay. So, Raina, what do you want to watch on TV? Rachel. Hmm? Yes, here's your chocolate. What do you want to watch? Okay. I want to watch Elena. Elena. Okay, well, I'll be back in a moment. I have to put on some cartoons. Okay. okay. 
Yeah. That's weird to see at all without red hair. Well, at least uh, it's a wig, at least. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be weird looking. Like, I get yeah. that. It's, Has it ever fallen it off? <laughs> What's that? Did it ever fall off in the game? Uh, it feels like it should be right now, given what you're doing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> as of yet, it has not. He uses special glue, I guess. Good old wig glue. This game has added a double jump, which is sweet. Just for you. Some kind of grapple. But, um, I've been playing FF7 Remake as well. Same. And I'm at Chapter 8, and I just got to Sector 5. You and me are you and Wheels are you are right between me and Wheels. Wheels is like chapter five, and I'm in chapter fourteen. Mm-hmm. But um, one thing I wish they had done so far, or maybe you, this is something you can do, and the game just does a poor job of telling you you can do it. But mm-hmm. you should be able to switch between your weapons. Oh, there's, there's no a way to like no have multiple swap. material sets. There's no multiple material set swapping, which is dumb. Oh, you can you can when you swap uh, weapons, you can choose to just leave the old loadout in the. Yeah, but two... there's like no quick way to do that during battle. Oh, and during battle, no, you're not allowed to change weapons during battle. It's dumb. I understand. Like Kingdom Hearts did it. Say what? Kingdom Hearts did it with the different command decks. Yeah, but it's ba- it's balanced around a very different thing as well. Yeah. I do think it's interesting that one of their solutions for FF7 remakes having to deal with the fact that the Buster Sword is the iconic weapon, but also uh, the base weapon is to just make every weapon upgradable and sort of let you kit out whatever weapon you want, although each of them has, like, affinities. So, like, would they make the sequel? Are they just going to scale things back a bit and just reset everybody back to level one? I don't think they'll reset everybody back to level one. Scale back to 30 levels. I don't think they'll reset everyone back to level one because, like, I'm at endgame and I'm level 30. Because, like, I wouldn't mind if it's, like, level one, but you have, like, higher stats. Like I said, I'm I'm at le- I'm at end game and I'm at like level twenty seven. Mm. Like the okay, game I don't think 50. they're going to be rescaling anything. Yeah, they, I'm. Pr- they, they may the- make it a higher than level ninety nine cap at the end, but even yeah. then, it's probably not likely. Maybe. Based on the based on the what I've found, uh, based just on trophies, the trophy for like the last trophy for levels is level fifty, so I think that the hard cap is fifty. And I can't imagine anyone getting to that without grinding for hours and hours and hours. Well, you know, somebody's going to. Oh, someone will. Of that's why they give I'm them, not going to spoil, them but I'm going to speculate. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, speculate what the ending is. Yeah, I'm not speculating on the ending because I have not reached it yet, so... Well, there's a... The Platinum Trophy is called Master of Fate, which makes me think that this is, like, some kind of simulation. I don't think it's a simulation. There are hints throughout the game that, like, someone is looking at what's going on in the game on some level retrospectively, but it's not clear how they would be doing that. I mean, the original game had a huge back, um, back, oh, sorry, flashback sequence anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, having it be entirely a simulation would be too much like Star Ocean. 
Either oh, that or it's and they like, don't really want that ma- kind of backlash again. Or they change something in the future of the game, like one of the parts, later parts, mm-hmm. where Cloud's in the live stream and this is him reminiscing of everything up until that point. And that's that, where that the next part starts. Yeah. yeah, but that would be all the way in... That's all the way into, like, Medeal, which is... Mm-hmm. Pretty far. There's an interesting section... Uh, you would have just seen this, Eric, right? Like, this is where my first bit of speculation about this came from, is just, like, the bit right in... Uh, right before you get to Sector 5, where there's, like, this section uh, where Cloud sees, like, another Cloud who's sort of talking to him in this sort of, like, pep-talky way, and then that other Cloud turns into Sephiroth. Mm. <laughs> Very curious about that, but... Well, the only thing I thought was like some kind of VR simulation that he's stuck in is because um, all the weird glitchiness that's going on. I think that's just artistic at this point, but we'll see. Yeah, it could be, but you know, I but um, I do not all, want to see never... any VR nonsense. I think that thing that kind of there is, thing is, is like I mean, there is challenge summons to get summons. That's yeah, you VR fight the fat chocobo and Shiva and all that. But it was kind of dumb of them to like leave out three of the summons unless you pre-order. And they're now not I good have... summons, but leaving them out is still kind of shitty. Eh, who cares? Cactuar is fun. I just like seeing cactuars, but yeah. Oh, uh, uh, there's probably a much better jumbo cactuar later. So, but... with a with a ten thousand needles. Yeah, yeah, it's a very it's a pretty weak summon. Uh, Chocobo Chick's pretty reasonably powerful. So I feel like most of the game's combat boils down to getting your enemies staggered so you can do actual damage, and everything else is chip damage until then. Kind of mm. like Resonance of Fate, which makes sense, because I think Trias make this game. Trias might have been involved, but I don't think that they were high-level involved. There's too many, like, different cooks that are, like, old square hands for them to have had, like, a huge amount of decision-making power, even if they were one of the contract developers. But, yeah, yeah there's just... I tried taking on Shiva, like, just now, and, no, I need at least another party member with me. I did, I've managed to make it work. It's a tough fight, but it's... Cloud's weapon does not do enough damage to it, because it's resistant to slash attacks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, what, that's why you got fire. You got fire. Yeah, but, but you uh, only have so much MP, though, and only so many ethers. But thankfully, if you're in VR, none of your ethers are actually used up. Oh, I never worked it out. I actually just used them indiscriminately. So, But, yeah. Big fan. Very interested to see where the uh, ending goes. Uh, Should I buy the revive material? It's like three thousand kill, and I only got like four thousand. Uh, probably not, uh, because its best use is arise, which takes forever to actually get. Phoenix Downs are cheaper. Phoenix Downs are pretty cheap. Uh, there's only one. Store quite a bit of HP in this game instead, like there... the piddly amount you used to get. It's not enough to help by the end of the game. It's not enough to help by the end of the game. 
there's only been one fight in the game where I've really had to spam Phoenix Downs, and if you if you know what classic Final Fantasy monster doesn't care how much HP you have, then you know what fight I was having trouble with. Uh. Oh, I fought the Air Buster, and that was kind of dicey. I got through it without having to retry it, but more than one character died at some certain points. I managed to get through that without anyone dying, although several came very close. Airbuster is yeah, because like people kept getting paralyzed, and like I need to use adrenalines, but they don't sell them anywhere. So it's like I just sit there and take it. Yeah, that was just when I swapped to another character and just sort of kept my eye on the one that I'd lost. But mm-hmm. uh, you should be close to getting the magnify materia which is this game's equivalent of the all materia so you'll want to probably keep that on uh it's probably it probably is the all materia they just translated it yeah it probably just has a different name but yeah it uh the way that it works is very different in this one because it's like it's not uh full effectiveness spell x number of times per fight it's now like Uh, is added effect in this game at all I haven't found added effect. Because, like, I'd attach that to to poison, and I'd poison things. Yeah, there's elemental, but I haven't found added effect. It's like, the most broken combination is added effect and the one that gives you, like, spells like break and stuff, which have status attachments related to them. Yeah, yeah. So you could eventually petrify death and i think the other one is confuse something like that that materia is definitely in the game but i haven't found added effect yet mm. i just you hope that uh one of... for a later date yeah i hope that one of these remake parts ends up having uh steel as well because that's one of my favorite uh just useful to have materials and the stealing in this game is very very cumbersome <laughs> You want to plan the game though? It's going to be a chore because you have to beat I, the game on hard mode. Well, I mean, I'll probably play it on hard mode. I mean, there is a new game plus, and I think you can pick what chapters you want to replay. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. yeah there's a tooltip in the loading screens that mentions that once you finish the game, you can go back to any chapter. And then um, you have to play a mini game in hard mode too, apparently. And then play darts, which sounds annoying, and beat number one on the leaderboards, which you can't really check unless you've played. No, you can check the darts leaderboards, I think, uh-huh. without actually playing darts. It's like on the wall of 7th Heaven, I think. What if it's easier to do on an easier difficulty? Maybe. It's a it's a tough game. I got to second... And you have to get all the dresses. So you have to replay the chapter several times to get all the dresses. Uh, at least one of the dresses is determined like five chapters beforehand, so you actually just have to replay the game. But if you were to if you were determined to just finish the game, you could probably get it down to like fifteen to seventeen hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's and, a lot uh, of. Okay. I'll probably be playing that up until next week, which is when I'll be getting my copy of Trials of Mana for the Switch. Mana. Or just having a ball. Well, that reminds me. For anyone that ha- didn't happen to see it, if you pre-order Trials of Mana, you can get Collection of Mana for 70% off. Well, I already bought By that now. Thing. I already have that. Well, that's, <laughs> yeah, the real problem that's with not that for anyone on this show. It's for the listeners. But I don't have the digital version, so maybe that's nice. There you go. Mm. Bye now. Yeah. Bye, my book. 
Anyway, are we ever going to change the topic to something else? No. What, is, uh, this, is this like a question yeah, and answer show I played show Persona 5 Royal, and I still have to write a review for it tomorrow. Yeah, uh, I had to set down Persona 5 Royal so I could play FF7. Once I finish FF7, I might give FF7 a break and then play Persona uh, 5 Royal. My recommendation for that game, so you don't have to beat it twice, hopefully they get the platinum. Well, you technically do have to play it up You're to a point gonna have to, to, that twice. <laughs> to get Sanctinel, but that's it. But um, it's it'd be very dicey to do everything on a single playthrough, but I think it's possible. You need a very um, strategic guide, but uh, my recommendation is to do the new Confidants, or rather the, the two new Confidants and the reworked one, uh, the Justice Arcana, because... Justice, faith, and yeah, counselor are what get you more content. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, faith—you need to level all three of those. But like, you have to actually do a get cheese this time, and it's not automatic. Like, it was in the original. It's also much more interesting than it was in the original, which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you basically have to do those whenever they are available because they're. Only available on certain days, especially the counselor one. Counselor's not that bad. It's Mondays and Fridays. Yeah. Uh, the other ones don't show up that one, but like they had, like they only the faith one only goes up to level five for a bit, and then like the other two are stopped at like eight and nine, and then they're filled in as the story progresses. Yeah, but in, uh, you haven't done it at that point, like, you lose out. Counselor deactivates. Until, like, September after rank 5, so... Because he'll be there, but he'll just won't be able to do anything with you. Yeah, which which happens occasionally in uh, Persona 5. Like, Sojiro deactivates for a very long time. So knowledge is much easier to develop this time, because you could just do the crossword puzzles for free, and it doesn't waste time. Yeah. That won't get you enough, but it's useful. Like, anything that you can do that doesn't actually spend time is useful. Uh, plant mm-hmm. nutrients. Uh, plant nutrients. What's the other stuff? Um, the... Uh, the... Aojiru, uh That you can buy at the... Uh, underground walkway. Which is random. And you think there was a set order, but like if you don't drink it every day, it gets randomized at that point. I don't think it gets randomized, but it's just like it won't. You have to dr- keep getting it because eventually, because it won't cycle through without them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, uh, the company at the vending machine realizes, hey, nobody's buying this, so we're going to stop stocking it. Yeah, but uh, I will say that. Uh, I did mention that I approved of the localization changes regarding the the gay guys, but yeah. that's only saying so much because it's still not much better. <laughs> it's better. It's not as better as it should be, but it's it's like they like they replace the one was. kind of homophobia with a different kind of homophobia, only if you see it from a certain perspective, which most people probably will. Because mm-hmm. you could read it as a situation, be like. Uh, they're the type of person who will just drag you along and do the thing because they must have understood the situation because they're not good at reading the room. Mm-hmm. But it also has a connotation of, well, gay people are doing the gay agenda by making you dress and drag. 
It's one of those things that there's only so much you can do given without the your consent, which you know, it, it's the day there day has people to be some sort of sexual deviance. Like they they can't change the fact that like there is an animation that plays there, so they kind of have yeah. to try to write around it. Mm-hmm. And it's often a lot harder than it sounds, especially if you can't actually change anything to visually. So I beat Yakuza Five, and. I have to say, like, compared to 3, which they apparently spent um, some time to get rid of the bad, gross stuff in it, mm-hmm. I think there's some weird off-color stuff in 5 that they didn't fix. <laughs> yeah, well, they also had to, like, probably a fairly limited budget to make changes to three different games, so... And had to retranslate two of them at least, possibly the third one as well. I haven't checked uh, what like, the five like translations. When you're like. playing as Haruka, there's a subquest where you do a stand-up comedian routine, and <laughs> like the guy makes a joke about asking a guy out, and that's supposed to be funny because because being gay is icky in Japan. Yeah, being, nobody really cares that much in Japan. Yeah, but it's it's still play as a joke, so it's like yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm sure it's like a hard gay reference or one of those other comedians. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, at least in, J- in Japan, it's possible to make a joke like that simply because nobody cares about hating or liking or anything else. It's just something. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. So I, I still prefer it to the um, like the knee jerk. Everyone hates people every time, every day, or something in America. Mm-hmm. I mean, so. Yeah, at least at least there's Okama romance in it <laughs> to sort of offset that. <laughs> I was focused on. Okay. Yeah. So we should probably eventually reach a question, but sometime. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this one's from Crawl, and it pertains to a question from last week. Uh, AN64 and Saturn comparison was really interesting. Along those lines, why did the 3DO fail? Okay, I'm going to give you a very quick reason. <laughs> it was seven hundred dollars. Price tag. Was well, it just not the nine hundred dollar? Um, basically, buying an arcade cabinet in a box called the Neo Geo MVS. Yeah, but that didn't succeed either. <laughs> but yeah, like it was seven hundred dollars. <laughs> And there's interesting reasons as to why it was $700, mostly the fact that 3DO developed a, like, design for the hardware and then didn't actually make it. They sold it to people, to, like, companies that had the capacity to manufacture it, but those companies typically didn't make games and wouldn't be able to make licensing money, so they had to make significant profit on the hardware itself. So... When Panasonic and Lucky Gold Star decide that they need to make a game console, they, their options for how to monetize it become, well, we need to make the game console itself very expensive in order to offset the actual price that we've paid. Was the band I played yet successful? No, not even slightly. <laughs> Was it cheaper? Uh, probably, but I don't think that... Who actually made the 3DO? Uh, Panasonic and Gold Star. I mean, um, I mean, who was okay? Different question. Which company actually conceptualized and was trying to sell games for it? 3DO. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, it was actually the company. Yeah, was. there was a 3DO company that, like, it's 
the the best dumb thing about that is that the company's full name was not 3DO. It was the 3DO company. Okay. <laughs> it's a thing. Okay, so... And what did the 3DO company do besides fail at making video games? Nothing. They were... <laughs> so the 3DO company was conceived and be a founded... Where are they now? Um, oh, they haven't existed for since like 2003. Uh, the 3DO company was conceptualized by uh, Trip Hawkins, who at the time was wealthy and well-known for having created electronic arts. Uh, they he basically like the whole concept had started when he was at EA but I mean no one at else with power at EA had any sort of appetite for trying to get into the console market because that would be insane mm-hmm. uh, they're still doing the tower defense things in the East 9 yes but uh, Is, are they less garbage though uh, TVD <laughs> but yeah so I mean, so like a lot of times, if you look at the consoles, it's like who is who's the impetus behind making it. And so you've got like Nintendo or Sega, where Nintendo was a toy company. Sega was originally an arcade company and and did some hardware stuff. I think. Yeah, they had so, a lot. They already had a big R and D division. Yep. So they had these structural support to do to do it, and they weren't just saying, "Oh, let's make a console." Mm-hmm. And Sony, I mean, massive hardware company to begin with, yeah. which. And- makes sense which means that their platforms focus on um, hardware specs makes a lot more sense yeah i mean sony yeah. uh like 3do the 3do was supposed to have a successor it was codenamed the m2 and there's a couple arcade games based off of that hardware but uh yeah. that would have likely been a much more traditional console with possibly a much less uh, grotesque price tag because it was <laughs> uh the hardware plans for it were bought and were bought out entirely by Panasonic. They would have just been the console manufacturer. Yeah. Whereas I'm, what I'm hearing here with 3DO is like somebody decided, hey, it would be cool to try this, and he has no real experience in it and no infrastructure to help him do it and no real um, sorry, marketing support for this. Like, it, it's it's a little more complicated because I think his thought process, which wasn't entirely... Uh, outside of the mainstream at the time was that like the video game console needed to move into the same space as being like a VCR where like a bunch of companies would manufacture it and sort of like they would all play the same things but they would sort of uh, try to price each other down and like offer extra features and such and like that that, that, that sounds like what happened in the early 80s before the first video game industry crashed it's a little. It, it would be a little different because the thought process was that they would all be compatible with the same software, and so I can kind of see why he thought that might work. It didn't work at all. Uh, they needed way more people manufacturing than the two that they got. Uh, yeah. It does produce a strange situation where, like, Panasonic 3DOs are probably a fair bit nicer than Gold Star 3DOs, but both of them were still like six hundred dollars. So. Uh, well, that seems like a perfect price point. I mean, you know, the PS3 launched at that. Everyone loved it at that price. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, was there any software or other gimmick on there worth salvaging or deserving of credit? Uh, no. There are decent no, 3 No, come on. They're PO'd with walking bus. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> the, the only 3D game I know of it. I know it because somebody actually wrote to Japan Demonium once and asked if I knew what this game was because 
And he said all he could remember was that it had a samurai werewolf. Uh, tattoo assassins. Yeah, and um, so after some very interesting Google searches where I discovered that there are, actually is a, an old Japanese movie titled Samurai and Werewolf, um, I found a Yahoo questions page in Japanese asking the same question. It turns out it was a 3DO game. Uh, Lucian's Quest, I think it was. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was probably made by someone like Micro Cabin. Yeah, and then it, it only it got released in Japan only on the Sega Saturn. Yeah, yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, or Sega something. Yeah, probably a Saturn. There might have been a Snatchers or no Police Knots on the console as well. Yeah, they canceled a, it. There was a that was the original target platform for Police Knots. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. Uh, a like relatively powerful CD-based console that actually had some sort of hardware FMV de- decompression. Yeah. See, yeah, it did come out on 3DO in Japan. With uh, oh, it did I didn't realize the 3DO actually happened in Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah it has it a handful of weird Japanese. Like when I said that it was probably developed by Microcabin, that wasn't me making a joke. There was a Japanese company called Microcabin that did a lot of 3DO games. <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm assuming that didn't end well for them. They did not continue past that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think I've, I've never seen one video that was played for on sale the in, the store in, this com- in this country, and I've seen a lot of stuff for sale in these stores. Yeah. So. The 3DO's ironic lasting uh, impact on the video game world is actually probably the fact that it was that 3DO's like big second party developer with Crystal Dynamics. So that was kind of that was kind of big. Uh, That is also why the 3DO's like mascot platformer that was meant to compete with Mario and Sonic was Gex. Excuse me, it's pronounced Jex and it's about a dinosaur. dinosaur. Yes. (sighs) Sorry, I enjoy making that joke every time. Well, is this like the GIF GIF divide, or it was, are you just this saying? was uh, the the voice actor for Gex, comedian Dana Gould, talked about once going into a game store to purchase a copy. He goes up to the to the uh, cashier and asks for it, and the cashier turns around, very irritatedly, saw like he asked for Gex the Gecko, and the cashier turns around, very irritatedly, sighs and says. It's pronounced Jax, and it's about a dinosaur. So is that news to him? Uh, yeah. Uh, in general, th- those are kind of the, the big things. There's some other, like, weird, interesting obscurities. Uh, River Hill Soft made a few J.B. Herald uh, adventure games for it that have some degree of legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, JB Herald Murder Club being like a weird, uh, primarily Japan-based uh, adventure game series. That I mean, so I I have known people who cared about it. Uh, River Hill Soft itself would proceed to go out of business in like 1999 after making a handful of very strange PS1 games like Overblood. Overblood? Is that the sequel to Underblood? No. Okay. No, but it's got a hilarious bad sequence where a robot dies and he swears his name. 
Oh, I looked it up. Robots called Depot. I looked it up, and it turns out that Microcabin did, in fact, make Lucian's quest. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. You know your 3DO, sir. It sounds like it's a RPG Maker game. It it kind of looks like one too. <laughs> yeah. If it were if they were able to make 3D RPG Maker games in 1995, it's probably what they would look like. But yeah, a lot of FMV games. That's what style at the time. We wore an onion on our belt. That's what style at the time. Uh, we gotta go a bit soon, but uh, before I leave, I want to mention that uh, we read a Falcom interview and. They were talking about Trails and After Cold Steel 4, which is coming to West in the fall. Um, uh, we're finally getting East Mushroom from Knox afterwards. Yes! Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, NIS hasn't said anything, but... I would imagine that Falcom themselves has to be programming in, like, English language support, so... I would imagine... But they also said a couple weird things, like... Um, they're working on tr- seeing what they can do with uh, Zero and Al. We're probably going to get those, and they're probably going to be next year, and we're going to get Hajimari the following year. I'm into and, it. But they also said, like, if they redo do remasters, of PS4 remasters for the Trails of Sky Trilogy, gee, they might just do straight-up remakes. Which is I weird. Can, that would be weird. I can kind of see why, just based on the fact that that would be, like... Here's a PSP game being sold to you on your PS4. But but if they were gonna do that, then they might as well do that for the crossbow games as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, Falcom does like remaking. I'm thinking the only reason though that they do that for Sky over the crossbow games is because he wants voice acting to be in the games and. Those are games that didn't have voice acting other than the battle. I mean, there are also games that are... They were the start of the Trails franchise, sub-franchise, so... I mean, it's not like they don't already have character models they can't use. they got an engine, so why not? That's what Hajimari is and for. They probably, they probably also want to do it to make a break in between the next major arc of the series and Hajimari. Mm-hmm. And I'm just looking at the list of 3DO games, and they all have, and like half of these have names that make them sound like fake games. But uh, I'm gonna like get out of here. Okay, I'm gonna do some light promotion of my Patreon. I know that some people are unemployed, and I probably shouldn't be promoting it, but um, I could also <laughs> gotta get money where you can. So having extra money would be helpful. But uh, my Patreon's in my Twitter account at EricRPG. Otherwise, you can just type in my name, and mm. I'll be there on Patreon. Mm. But uh, sending me a little dollar would help, so hopefully you can do that, or find somebody else that might be able to do that. Support mm. content creators, etc. Yep. And that's it. Bye-bye. Okay. Later. See you. Okay, I'm going to list off some 3DO games, and you can try to guess whether I've just made some shit up. <laughs> Shelly okay. Duvall's I like this life. game. <laughs> Can you say that again? Because I couldn't hear you. What? Shelly Duvall's It's a Bird's Life. Okay. Sid Meier's CPU Bach. <laughs> okay. Soccer Kid. Space Hulk Vengeance of the Blood Angels. 
I know that that's a real game. Because that's a Warhammer game, right? <laughs> Probably. Sounds like Warhammer. Yeah. Two time off. in the classroom. Okay. Twisted, the game show. Okay. Who shot Johnny Rock? Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, sorry, I just I just noticed some things, but uh, Love Bites, Insect War, and Inspector Danger's Crime Quiz. <laughs> okay. Insect War and Inspector Danger, like one title. No, no, they are different games. Okay. okay. Damn. Darn, uh, that doesn't sound quite as good now. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh. The Eye of Typhoon. Okay. Rug Wars. And the Deadless Encounter. But did anyone port any Falcom games to 3D? I don't believe so, no. Oh, Dr. Hauser. Beloved early 3D horror game. Oh, this uh, it's not Doogie Hauser? No. It's spelled with H it's spelled H A U Z E R. Very different. Hell, a cyberpunk thriller. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Johnny Bazooka Town. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and say that you have not made a single one of these up yet. (laughs) You are super right, but I'm still completely lost in some of them. Okay, well, for something completely different and a lot more modern, um, Yusha Yamada-kun. Have you heard of this one? Uh, no. No, I have not. It's, it's from uh, Onion Games. The guy, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And where it's basically a um, an RPG created as a wish fulfillment fantasy by a computer programmer in Tokyo, and he's the main character. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're not talking about the actual developers doing this as wish fulfillment. We're talking about the character in-game creating the game himself as wish fulfillment. Yeah. And um, I'm just seeing a tweet from Onion Games right now that is like, there is a... they. They've got a collaborate, uh, collaborative dungeon on their Switch version starring starring um, Nobuo Uematsu. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the tweet is actually starring him because they actually have an animated sprite of Nobuo Uematsu in the logo here. But the music for the level is also by him, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, I signed up for the Onion Games newsletter. I need to keep track of what they're sending. Yep. Oh, the um, newsletter Zero has this adorable little game called Romeo and Juliet, where it's basically just... um, The only button you need is the left button, because the character automatically moves right, and you just have to use the left button to help him dodge stuff. Yeah. And it it looks like an old... Like like an early 80s arcade game done in hand-drawn animation. And when I say hand-drawn, I mean, like, elementary schoolers' scribbles. Hmm. <laughs> um, and apparently, I mean, the guy, um, um, the guy at Onion Games admits that, hey, this is his attempt to just make a game in one day. Listen, game and jams he hopes are everyone fun. enjoys it for free. <laughs> yeah. So, which is so very much like this guy. Yeah, so... Hey, keep track of Onion Games. They do a lot of interesting work. Yes. Interesting is certainly one way to 
describe it. Listen, interesting is all I want out of life. Mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for Moon to come out in English so I can see how they manage that translation. <laughs> That'll be really exciting. That will be something. Yes, it will. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the 3DO. Uh, its lasting legacies are essentially crystal dynamics and a handful of strange, obscure games. Also, it was the first platform where Need for Speed was on, which it's kind of a huge deal, but. I mean, that game itself was not huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can certainly buy Putt uh, Putt Goes to the Moon on it. Have yourself a rip roaring time learning about education from a talking car. Yeah, what was the name of the, the golf game from The Simpsons? Uh, Lee Carvey Loves Putting Thank you. Not a real golfer. <laughs> Uh, it's the game. It's the company's fault for making you want it so much. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you have chosen Power Drive. Okay, well that's going to be in my head the entire day. So thanks for that, Wales. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, as for other gimmicks worth salvaging out of the 3DO, this isn't a good gimmick but it's really funny to me. The 3DO has one controller port, and official 3DO controllers have controller ports on them. So the way that you were supposed to do multiplayer was to daisy-chain controllers. Oh, lovely. It's a nightmare. Also, ask me how Super... Oh, yeah, that was kind of a crazy thing. The only official port of Super Turbo in the year of release of... Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo was to the 3DO. <laughs> huh. it had the default everything. 3DO controller has three buttons. Oh. It has good. three face buttons, excuse me. Three face buttons, two shoulder buttons, and a start button. Uh-huh. Guess how they mapped it? The worst way possible. Yes, the start button, I believe, is medium kick. <laughs> what? <laughs> Like, A, B, and C, or whatever, are, like, they're normal buttons, I think. Uh, Like, they're, like, light punch, heavy, medium punch, and, like, light kick or something. L and R are, like, heavy punch and heavy kick, I think. And I believe start is medium kick. So, you know, the best way to play Super Turbo if it's 1995. Ugh. That was that was kind of a big deal at the time. You could get six-button controllers if you were willing to purchase them specifically, and if you were crazy enough to have a 3DO, you probably were. So, yeah, that's that's uh, that's the 3DO for you. So let's hit a question from Budai. Is this uh, a good or bad year to launch a console? It's a bad year. It's yeah, a really bad year. Yeah. Is that? Yeah, you might think it's good because people are sitting at home and playing more, but how are you going to get it to them, and how yes. are you going to make them? How are they Answers. going to pay for it? 
all of the above, and it's like they have the time, but they have nothing else going for it here. Yeah. yeah. We we have actually got empirical data about how consoles sell during a recession. Cheap consoles sell pretty well. People go for very cheap games. Switch, after is, that, Switch is selling very well. Switch is likely to continue selling well once it's supply. Well, enough, there was a there was a news item a couple like last week here in Japan saying like people are trying to sell switches for over seven hundred dollars, oh, um, claiming the shortage in materials from China. Something I have no idea how that was happening. I'm like, okay, you can go down like to they, the used store and get it for two, like two and a half man or less, and that's like yeah, maybe two hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, well, it's it's a situation where, depending upon where you are, especially in the U.S., you might actually not be able to get hold of Switches, but... Yeah, it's, uh... It's having, like, every... There's gonna be, like, a rolling wave of manufacturing issues going throughout this year, just yeah. because of the general uh, mm -hmm. consequences of the worldwide center of manufacturing having to shut down that whole apparatus. Uh... But, I mean, like, yeah, like, we have a lot of empirical evidence about how consoles sell during a recession right now, and, yeah. We're, I, I feel like it'll be impressive to see how many actual units they can even get manufactured when the PS5 and Xbox Series X are competing for manufacturing space. Yeah. When Chinese manufacturing concerns are, like, having to make up all these, like, back orders of, like, things that were supposed to be manufactured that couldn't be for, like, three months. Uh, when all of these consoles are destined to be tremendously expensive to begin with, like... I'll be shocked if either of these launches for less than $500. Um, I remember seeing the initial estimate being cost of parts being 450 at least. Yeah, that's without cost of manufacture, shipping, like any of that. Yeah. Like, And Sony and really is not in a position to not break even. <laughs> so so it looks like, looks like Switch wins this console war by default. <laughs> yeah, at least for the foreseeable next couple years. Yeah. <laughs> Are we thinking they may delay the launch of these consoles? They keep recommitting to it. Like, every time someone asks, they're like, no, we are intending to launch holiday 2020. I mean, they haven't even announced any PS5 games. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff that's probably going to well, be that, on PS5. Yeah, there was that one um, Square Enix game. I forget what the hell it's called. I don't remember its name. It's telling that they didn't choose, like, a franchise anyone's that they've ever made before. Uh... Let's see. PS5 games. Godfall, Watch Dogs, Starfield, Dreams, Outriders, Tom Clancy something or other. <laughs> Twice. Gods and Monsters, Warframe, Ode to a... What? Almost Ode all of these moon. are... Almost all of these are games that already exist on PS4. The only one I can think of that doesn't, hasn't, doesn't have an announced PS4 version is Godfall. words by a switch it's probably your best bet by the time you want a ps5 they will probably be cheaper yeah yeah so yeah it there aren't a lot of games that are not original here 
Yeah. Yeah. And one of them, one of them on this list actually has a publishing date of 2013. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm not sure how that works. Seems off. Yeah. Um, yep. I mean, the one other ones. Oh, never mind. Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege has 2015. So I'm guessing that's just a. I'm not oh, sure. Yeah, that's, just, that's, I just Google PS5 yeah. games. This is what Google's giving me. Yeah, yeah a lot of Siege, these are likely. Siege is a live game, though, so that's like had. That was half, though. Like Warframe is that way too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, it's just games can that Warframe can be reasonably. It's just games that you can reasonably expect to see upported because they're live games that need as large that want as large an audience as possible. Right. Yeah. So yeah, um, I'm, my guess is that they're going ahead with the the rollout just because if they stall, then their inertia dies and then they yeah. collapse. And there's there's just a lot of like they're in a rock and a hard place situation here because like there's probably a lot of deals already made with retailers about like. Yeah. retail space for PS5s and Xbox Series Xs and like mm-hmm. if you if you back out of that you not only lose that space like and have to renegotiate it but you also like retailers don't like that <laughs> they super don't like that you want your partners like guess what happened when Sega suddenly launched the Sega Saturn with three specific retail partners and left a bunch of other ones out high and dry. Suddenly, they didn't have huge Saturn displays when they finally did get Saturns. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, like I said, they don't want to l- lose the inertia. Yep. So I think both companies are probably looking to mark these com- these consoles as a bath on their balance sheets for at least the next year or two. But yeah. Yep. But yeah, Switch wins. Yep. <laughs> See. Budai asks, X, Xenoblade X Switch is a foregone conclusion at this point, right? I hope so. Damn it. It feels I'm inevitable. Sure. <laughs> I can't imagine that it's running on remarkably distinct technology from Xenoblade 2 and Definitive. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Xenoblade X had some like gamepad-specific features, but you could also play it with a... like. Con- you can play it on the gamepad. You can. Uh, you could also just play it with a controller. So there's no reason it shouldn't be able to be ported. Yeah, I, I don't think that there's anything. There's no gameplay hurdle to stop it from happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would suspect that like that's probably maybe a 2021 game. Mm. Yeah, I, uh, mean, I, I assume Xenoblade Chronicles One is the more popular title, so you definitely want to do that one first. Well, kind of is by default because it's a Wii game. Yeah, like the options were like the game that could never possibly have hoped to become as popular, or the one that people had played, and so they went with the sure bet to for their sort of fill-in project. But I'd suspect that Xenoblade X is kind of inevitable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which would leave only a few like Wii U cool RPGs. Maybe only one. In what would even be left? Color Splash. Yeah, Color Splash. Uh, that's, maybe that's it. I can't think of any other Wii U RPGs that aren't on Switch yet now. Which I'm glad for. I want people to play them. But yeah. Xenoblade X and Color Splash. It's always obscure Wii stuff that hasn't been ported, but... Yeah, but I don't even think there's that much on that uh, of that on Wii U. Like, yeah. Oh, Wii, I mean, just Wii. 
<laughs> oh, Wii stuff, yeah. There's oh, a lot yeah. of... That's a, that is a largely unplumbed library that I would like to to go over more one day. Skyward Sword HD. I don't even know how that would work, but sure. Yeah. Um, what else is left in the Wii U? Uh, there's two Zelda remasters in uh, Wind Waker and Twilight Princess. Yep. That's about uh, it. Yeah. Oh. I'm just looking at the uh, the upcoming release schedule for games in Japan. Yeah. On Tetsu, starting from this Saturday. Or no, starting from <laughs> tomorrow, sixteenth. Um, I'm seeing. I mean, obviously, these are quite often multiple games listed, or games listed multiple times. But we have Switch, 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 PC, Steam, Switch, PC. Um, or no, PS4, Switch, 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 all the way down here, um, and into May. It's like, it doesn't look like there's there's one PS4 game being released in the next month. <laughs> that doesn't more surprise Switch, me. Switch, Switch, okay, there we go, more PS4, there we go, which day is this supposed to be? Okay, never mind, it's next week, there's just a lot of games coming out this week. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um, and a couple of these are also on Switch. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. So, half of these are also on Switch. Like, if you're a Japanese company, it just makes more sense for your bottom line to make a game for Switch and then port it to PS4. But Unless you're like... Thinking, I mean, most of these... I mean, the PS4 does have a higher um, tech capability than the Switch, it's just that they're not making it to test the limits of that. Yeah, like, unless you're a AAA developer, you don't want that anyway. <laughs> Which means the PS5 is going to have another problem. Yeah, well, I mean, that's going to be that... ugly just in terms of, like... Uh, I don't... Yeah, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> the Switch is easier to develop for, I'm guessing. And cheaper. Like, yeah, cheaper, definitely, like, just in terms of, like, what kind of assets you can deal with, whereas, like, PS5, like, there are probably, there's probably going to be a lot of libraries to just make that simpler to develop for, but, I mean, your expectation for a PS5 game, five game is very high and very expensive. Man, like, just the other day I was reading something else, and it was um, commentary on um, Nintendo games versus PS um, PlayStation games. Mm-hmm. And just for the stuff that, or for the, um, where they put the resources, and it was comparing crowds in two different games. Mm-hmm. So it was comparing FIFA something or other, this crowd of very detailed, photorealistic humans, variously, and then um, one of the Switch Olympics game, where the crowd was mostly toads. And it was more interesting. Yeah. And more fun to watch and certainly much cheaper to make Mm. (laughs) so in terms of money and manpower and that kind of kind of stands for the entire issue between the Switch and the Playstation of the Switch can make more games faster and apparently or high enough quality for people to enjoy without getting up without getting the graphics up to a level where they're much easier to find weird. So. Okay, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. Yeah. 
And now for, for a nice classic RPG question from Budai. Which of the two Lunar games is better? Um, from what I've heard, the first one. Um, I'm more of an I'm not sure which player. one I've played, to be honest. I'm, I'm played the one that was on DS, um, that they got ported to DS. I think it was the first one. Mm, the one on DS mm. is not a port of anything. It's just a nightmare. <laughs> uh, okay, I've played one of them, and it was... I know it was a port of something. Was it on uh, PSP? I'm not sure what I played it on then. PSP? Oh, I didn't have a PSP. Uh, Game uh, Boy Advance? Might have been a Game Boy Advance game. It's yeah, there's Lunar Legend on GBA, which is one of the lesser versions of Lunar 1, but still decent. Uh, I just remember that they actually quoted the Red Green show at one point in that. That sounds very working designs. Uh, yeah. Oh no! I mean, it made perfect sense. It was it had something. They were talking to fishermen in one town, and the the uh, winged cat character set, um, comments on the fisherman's priorities by saying that he has it bass backwards. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like. And it was like, one. it was like, yeah. I I remember hearing that on the Red Green show. That yeah. Joke. Uh, let's see. Yeah, uh, I'm actually more of an Eternal Blue fan. So I've never actually played any of the others, so I could not really answer uh, this question. I never, always planned on playing Eternal Blue after playing the first one, and as you can guess, I've never finished. How far have you gotten with Lunar One? I don't even remember. Wheels, when do you want to stream Lunar One so I can critique your playing? Oh God, sometime soon. I have played. Listen, Wheels, I care enough about this. I played Lunar One on Sega CD and Lunar One on PS One side by side just to document everything that's different about them. Oh god. I'm broke brained in the head. Uh, and the answer is that the Sega C D version and the PS one version are wildly different, actually. Interesting. Like they they've completely restructured large portions of that story. Uh just sort of because. Uh, <laughs> Uh, some of them, some of them are actually like some of the things in the Sega CD version I prefer. Although the actual gameplay of the Sega CD version is pretty not great. Uh, Lunar Two, meanwhile, on both Sega CD and PS One, is incredible and actually much more similar on Sega CD and PS One. Hmm. Like those two, like. The PS1 version of Lunar 1, in terms of gameplay, has essentially just been changed to bring it in line with Lunar 2. Whereas, like, the Sega CD version of Lunar 1 is unrecognizably weird and different. But, yeah. Uh, I, I would say Lunar 2 is ultimately the better game, but Lunar 1 is much more iconic because it's a much more straight-faced RPG. Mm-hmm. Whereas Lunar 2, like, it's it's still playing with the same ideas, but it, it kind of has more twists on them in a way that makes it less of the iconic, like, early 90s JRPG in terms of style. So, yeah, uh, apparently I'm the, I assumed other people had played both. Sadly <laughs> not. No, I never had the chance, to be honest. Yeah, that's fair. I feel bad that, like, Lunar 1 has been remade, like, a bazillion times. There's Sega CD version, PS1 version, GBA version, 
uh, PSP version, iPhone version, like all of those exist. There are copious ways to play Lunar One. Lunar Two, there's the Sega CD version, extremely rare. The PS One version, extremely rare. That's it. And that would be all why I've never actually played it, because unless I actually found a copy of it while I was in college, I would not have played it on the PlayStation either. Yep, that was. Yeah. So yeah, basically. Eternal Blue is really good and probably my preferred one, but I've definitely played Silver Star more just because it was a lot more available. Mm-hmm. Which makes me wonder why they never re-released Eternal Blue. Or, it was truthfully, same degree. I would imagine that it was partly because it was the less successful game because it kept coming out in stupid <laughs> The two times it came out, it came out at like the absolute ass end of console release uh, uh, of console release cycles like the Lunar 2 on Sega CD is I believe a 1995 Sega CD game mm-hmm. that wow. system that add-on wow. was dead and buried in 1995 wasn't the Saturn out by then? yes <laughs> okay just, just making sure yeah just making sure yeah, let me see. It is... Yeah, in Japan, it's December 22nd, 1994. The Saturn was out in Japan by then. In North America, it was September 15th, 1995. The Saturn was out in Japan by then. Mm. Uh, it was out in America by then, I should say. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, and I believe the that Eternal Blue is a 2000 PS1 game. Uh... See, and we're we're not even getting into like Walking School Lunar, which no one has ever played ever. That's a Game Gear uh, game. Yes, and it's also got a Sega Saturn remake, neither of which was localized. Uh, but just double checking on Lunar Two being a 2000 PS1 game. Let's see. Main series. Silver Star. Eternal Blue. Why would you not give me non-Sega CD release dates, Wikipedia? What's wrong with you? Okay. Uh, in Japan, Eternal Blue Complete came out in, two, in 1998. That does not seem like it was likely to be the case in North America. See, uh, but yeah, that is oh, that's the other thing. Lunar 2 Eternal Blue came out on Sega Saturn in July of 1998. Hmm. <laughs> The PS1 version came out December 15th, 2000 in America and May 1999 in Japan. December 15th, 2000 was just the right time to be completely overshadowed by the PS2's launch, as well as the recent launch of like Final Fantasy IX, Chrono Cross, <laughs> like just a ton of bigger RPGs. Mm-mm. Whoops. Completely wrecked. Um, 
It would be around the same time as another working designs RPG was launching on the recently released, the more recently released Sega Saturn Grandia 2. So, uh, poor, poor Lunar 2 just sort of never had a chance. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, December 6, 2000 in North America. So about one week before the Dreamcast Grandia 2 was coming out. Uh, Lunar 2 was very much a Sega CD update looking game. So yeah, that's that's probably why we've never seen many remakes of Lunar 2. Whoops. Meanwhile, remakes of... Uh, Silver Star after the PS1 version generally just sort of make the game worse, so. But, yeah, so. Let's uh, have one last friendly debate before putting this to bed. Budai's last question. Which is a better FF icon? We also have questions in the Discord, by the way. Oh, we have questions on Discord. Well, then we'll hit those two, but... Which is a better FF icon, Moogle or Chocobo? Uh, how are we defining better? Uh, follow your heart, Wheels. Um, Chocobo has Mystery Dungeon Games. Uh, case closed. The actual answer is Cactuar. The Moogles have Flash Dancing. Do slam dance, it's true. However, Chocobos have been in more games outside the main franchise. However, Cactuars are funnier. I'm just going to write in Candace. Yes, however, Cactuars are not in the main discussion here. Boom. Yeah, that's, yeah. Cactuars are my write in candidate. Yeah. Okay, we'll try this one then. Um, in Final Fantasy Adventure, Moogle is a status ailment. Whereas the Chocobo is the one character you can get as a partner who can heal that status ailment. Boom. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm forced to choose, I would probably go Chocobo over Moogle. Mm. Got fonder memories of Chocobos. But FF7 understood that the two should never be separated, which is why you got a Materia Summon that was just both of them. Mm-hmm. You'll never guess what's still in the remake. Does it still randomly summon the Fat Chocobo instead? No, Fat Chocobo is its own materia. Smart. Fat Chocobo is a materia is a summon that you have to fight to get. He is a tough bird. Yep. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, Uh, verdicts chosen Chocobos, but in my heart, Cactuars. <laughs> but we all knew no Kate She made the cuter hand puppet. Kate She kind of riding a Moogle, but just a really weird Moogle. No, I it's think like it's supposed the... to be a rock Moogle. Is that what it's supposed to be? Yes. Hmm. Like a wild wild rock Moogle. That explains Which something. has only ever appeared in as his ride. Yeah. So. I just thought of it as like you know, there's the fat chocobo. This is just the f- equivalent of a fat moogle. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, let's see. 
looking at the questions. It seems there's just the one. Uh, is there an RPG that's universally praised that you don't like? And then we also have the inverse of that. Well, I was gonna... What was that? What's is there an RPG that's universally praised that you don't like? Bravely Default. <laughs> yeah. Bravely Default. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I wrote a nice little clickbait article for April Fool's a few years back just for that. And actually convinced some people. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yep. Can't really say more than that. But I don't want to pick on that one too much. Uh, what, if Diablo. You, yeah. what if you took the worst parts of the Tale series and combined them with well, a we mediocre Final Fantasy one. game? Then you get Bravely Defart. There you go. Wow. But, I mean, it doesn't have the right battle system for Tale's influence. I think he's talking more about the skits. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the those. stupid skits. Okay, yeah. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, um, I'll pull out some other ones. Diablo, I just despise on a conceptual level. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, I do not like Final Fantasy XI. I think it's boring. Sorry, people. Never played that one. I have a ton of fans. Never played eleven. Uh, I can't say I played enough fourteen to say I hate it, but I don't enjoy MMOs at all, and that did not do anything to change it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. This, is, this game was controversial. I know a lot of people that love it. I don't hate this. I'm going to preface this by saying I don't hate this. I've never been able to finish FF12. I've actually like, started it. You're a monster. I get about 15 hours in every single time and then completely lose interest. Every time I swear to myself, this time will be different. And it's a lie every single time. Monster. Sorry, I didn't say I hate it. I just am pretty indifferent to it. You got any more wheels? Thinking what I can hate on. What? I'm going (laughs) to skip bringing up a uh, Capcom series. That one's not universally yeah, praised anyway. Yeah, because I'm looking anyway. here at the Q&A quest Discord and seeing that you've discussed that one enough. <laughs> okay. uh, That's also true. Oh, oh, let's let's find something here. My memory is not being kind to Xenogears, even though I did enjoy it, mostly. That's understandable. Uh, yeah, I mean, it probably would have been more fun if they had completed the second half of the game before shipping. I'll never um, get over the frankly bizarre... Uh, statement made by one of the uh, lead developers on Xenogears years later when in an interview they brought up yeah they offered to let us just split the game in half and make a second game uh, that would have ended Go like the that. game. the game would have <laughs> ended at the end of the first disc and then they would have made a second one But that seems like, like a good idea he fought for, yeah. like, no, we want to just make the entire game, and then they... Well, you don't have money to make the entire game. Which it seems that they learned their lesson for the Xena um, saga games. Yeah. Well... Yeah, sort of. Well... 
Well, they make completely different mistakes with those three, or and a half. So, I mean, and then we get to Xenoblade Chronicles, which I absolutely love those games, but they are also ninety-hour games. So, at some point, someone just let them make a very long game, I guess. Yeah, I'm just like, okay, what's a series? What's a game series that everyone loves that I don't like? Um, This is a lot harder than I think because I like a lot of weird games. Mm. Um, I'm thinking more of stuff that I kind of in- admitted I enjoyed, even though they weren't critically acclaimed. So I'm doing a lot better than the opposite side of the question. Then, um, <laughs> um, okay, guys, what's a what's a critic? What's a popularly acclaimed game um, RPG series? Just name a few. Get my brain going. Uh, here. Oh, Elder Scrolls. I don't much care for that series. Never played. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kind of tossing Western RPGs out of this okay. listing. If I'm gonna be talking, if I'm talking to you, because it's like you're not gonna have played any of these. Uh, Elder <laughs> Scrolls. Is for Glory. I played all the Quest for Glory games. Yeah, but you love those, so. Yes. Even though I will admit that the third and fifth ones are trash. Okay, so next. Uh, Anything else? Critically uh, um, acclaimed RPG series. Like, all the big ones are kind of known quantities, is the thing. Yeah. I mean, like, I've never played Suikoden. I've played Lufia enough to realize that Lufia 2 is the only good one out of the five games in that, or six games, however many games there are in that series. Depends on how you're counting, but yeah, around five or six. Including the remake that ruined it. You know, I actually actually own that one, so I really should play it just to see how bad it is. That remake sh- was conceptually a good idea. Shame about the execution. <laughs> yeah, I heard that they took out all the puzzle elements, and that was what made the original game. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Oh, I got a good uh, one. What? Uh, Stardew Valley. I don't like Stardew Valley. I've got that one on Steam. I really should try that. Okay, um, I don't have the patience to deal with Harvest Moon or Animal Crossing type games. Fair enough. Minecraft, there we go. I do not see the point of Minecraft type games. Yeah. Those, yeah. Uh, yeah, we can't really think of RPG franchises that we dismiss out of hand too much. Uh, yeah, I mean, like Minecraft type games, uh, the only one I've liked is Dragon Quest Builders. And that's really mm-hmm. quite different because it's just, oh, we're using Minecraft type mechanics. To just do like a Dragon Questy game. Yeah, I just like I really do not have the patience for that kind of thing, and yeah. I kind of admire the grade schoolers in this country who do. Yeah, no, I had to play Minecraft with my son today, and it was just like, I, I, can we play Dragon Quest Builders instead? <laughs> this is boring. Well, did, did you hear about the sixth grade class who um, met, who managed to create their own school graduation in Minecraft? No. Because the uh, the school well, the schools were closed like a week ahead uh, or four days to a week ahead of actual regular um, spring break dates, so a lot of schools couldn't have their graduations for sixth grade or ninth grade or twelfth grade. So this group of sixth graders, I don't know where in the country, were stuck at home with a lot of time on their hands and a, some good internet connections, and they built their own auditorium in Minecraft and stay and. Like with the help of their parents and some teachers, they staged their own graduation ceremony. 
Nice. In Minecraft. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So um. Oh. We never said what we're playing, or I never said what I'm playing lately, because we kind of got sidetracked on Final Fantasy. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm on the final boss of Monster Strike. Oh, nice. How's that going? Nice. Well, I'm kind of wishing I'd remembered to go back to the mall and pick up the one-up items right now. Uh, next time I die in the sky, I'm going to go do that. Uh, so, but yeah, um, yeah. Who would have thought that a a, guy, a villain named Oblivion would be such a nasty customer? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it is a surprisingly good game for something that's built up around a smartphone game. Huh. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So, are we playing anything else besides Final Fantasy over there? Aisha. Yay, how's it going for you? I love it. Yep. I, it has got some excellent music. Yeah, the music is great. It's just mm-hmm. very chill. I think I've probably put in over 10 hours by this point. Mm-hmm. Just like... Uh, not even like looking at my task list or anything like that much. Just like wandering around a lot. Going to... Mm-hmm. like Whenever there's an exclamation point on the map, going there. It's just very mm-hmm. chill. The, oh, it is. Yeah. The voice acting is great. The story is fun. Mm-hmm. It's it's really good. It's really really good. Yeah, I just I really love what Gus did with the musical direction on that trilogy. Oh, I can't wait to see what the <laughs> if this if this start of the trilogy is this good. I can't wait to see how good the other two are. Yep. Unfortunately, all the games afterwards are just a bit below it in quality. Oh. Um, I mean, not the the Dusk games great. I'm talking about the mysterious games. Oh, I, mean, I gotcha. Yeah. And Ryzo is pretty good, except I, I mean, since, since I've been playing it portable so much, I haven't really been paying much attention to the music for anything I've been playing. So, <laughs> but I've been listening to it on YouTube, and it's very nice. Just it doesn't have anything quite as iconic as like the final boss theme of Asha, which is the grooviest four chord power harmony that you've ever heard. <laughs> I mean, it is so completely unlike anything you would ever expect for a major final boss, <laughs> and yet it's perfect. Um, so I may be playing FF7 right now but I promise I'm still listening <laughs> yeah, well, at one moment my, my daughter just cried daddy I'm sorry from the other room I need to go check one moment. Oh, no, that's, <laughs> that's, not, that's good. not a good sign <laughs> oh boy you should uh, probably consider changing uh, closing out soon oh we didn't do the we didn't do the reverse though we gotta do um RPGs that are not like have really low meta scores that we actually really. Have like. you listened to us? We play. We talk up saga games every. Okay, that's fair. And natural doctrine, etc. Yeah. Uh, just man, just go back through our catalog man, it, and you'll find a lot. It, it took me forever uh, to realize that I had to run up a wall in uh, East Nine here. I'm just going to throw that out there. When there's a ni- very nice um, artistic up arrow painted on the wall that I didn't quite realize that that's what it was. You have to learn to art. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's looking like if you liked any of the other recent East games, then this one's going to be right up everyone's alley. 
Um, I'm trying to figure out because, like, trying trying to figure out because the East games usually are like based on different different yeah. real world locations to some yeah. extent, okay. just in a fantasy concept context. So I'm trying to figure out where wherever this game is taking place is supposed to be. And oh, I was turned into a frog. Thinking maybe London. Well. Uh, I've turned into a frog. Has a tiny little Buster sword attached to him. It's great. <laughs> That's nice. So anyway, yeah, the emergency was that she decided that she needed to play with her bubbles outside on the balcony, and then dumped the bubble solution on the floor of the balcony. Whoops! And then, as emergencies go, that's probably fine. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. So I, we just turn on Gigantosaurus, and she's watching that now. Yeah, that's really more a problem for her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, too much frog. Ribbity ribbity. So, yeah. You know, I might as well do some self-promotion over here, too. Yeah, so I am still trying to get people to read my uh, fantasy series on Amazon Kindle. Um, the, uh, my poor, poor attempts at social media advertising have turned out about as well as you might expect. Shouting into the wind. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I think social media might have been a mistake, just in general. Just uh, yeah, but grab but that the, grab that click from the uh, from the critic and and paste in a picture of your book. Buy my book. <laughs> That's yeah. the one. <laughs> uh, the problem being that no other form of advertising I've tried has had any better response for sales. And has cost me a lot more money. Oof. So. Yeah. It's just, it's, meh. Anyway, it's Princesses of the Pizza Parlor. It's an ongoing uh, series about a tabletop RPG. And um, it's available on Kindle. um, Under the author name Michael Yavimizu. Just because my actual name is too hard to Google. (laughs) I love being Far. Oh, I mean, it's just way too easy to Google and not find anything connected to me. So. Yeah. If you Google me, you'll find a lovely doctor of forestology. <laughs> who is not me, by the way, just so we're clear. It would be nice if it was. Though. Yes. Yeah. You Google me, you find like 50 different people. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Okay, well, I just nearly died, so... Um. And I just found a picture of Cloud as a frog on the internet. This is adorable. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we should probably close this out. Uh, you can post questions in the comments section or on the Discord. Other places may also work, but are less guaranteed. If you scream them at wheels, he may yell. He may yell back at them, though. That's He'll true. probably just talk about how angry he is about Breath of Fire, though. I'm trying, trying. No, you aren't. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so send us your questions about things that we all like, like East and Atelier, mm-hmm. Atelier, Atelier. I'm sure that when Atelier. I play Atelier... That series about alchemy, I'm just going to start calling it that. 
Atelier. 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 I'm gonna I'm just gonna start saying it like a million times till I can pronounce it correctly. And then I'll just it's not mispronounce Atelier. I'll just it's, it's not Atelier. <laughs> yes, not I've, Atelier. Atelier. Stop doing that at least. Just pretend to be French, it'll work. It is French, it should work. I work for a French company, I should be able to <laughs> pretend things are French. But uh, yeah. Uh, so questions in the usual places. Yes. Uh, um, send yes, send us your favorite atelier game. And if one of you says like one of the real old ones, well maybe Michael will have any idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I will, because I've played pretty much all the old old ones that have not been released in English. It's time to talk about Atelier Marie. Yay! <laughs> or Ellie, I'll do Ellie. Or, uh, you know, in his pinch, I'll talk about Lily, even. <laughs> the first one I saw a preview of in an old PlayStation magazine. But, yeah. Nice. Wheel 3 playing on hard mode. I, you know I always play East games on hard mode. Yeah, no, I so just you don't play them in easy mode. No, wow. I do not. I do not venture down e- easy street. Easy street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So otherwise, uh, we will see you, Space Cowboys. See ya.